Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Yo, what's up? It's your man, Sean Weatherspoon, M-I-Z-Z-O-U, and you're listening to the Mazadcast. Now, you need a hobby, like golf or something. This show is terrible. And a throw it. Slam. This bug's for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. You don't get no better than that, man. Now Cook's going to throw the deep ball. And Burton's past the defense. Touchdown, Luther Burton. 47 yards. Kick is up. It is. Yes. Now the walk-off winner from 61. Harrison Davis. This is the Mazzotcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazzotcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? We come to you after Missouri's eighth game of the season, a 34-12 victory over the South Carolina Gamecocks. Colin, it was another dominating conference performance by Mizzou Tigers, and they are already bowl eligible as of last week and in the driver's seat heading into the bye week. Going up against the number one team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs, following that, just as we predicted in week one. Yeah, yeah. Seven and one heading to play the Bulldog. Somebody I saw, you know, was like, Missouri really controls their own destiny in the SEC East. And I, uh, I understand the sentiment, but that's one of the, I, I get a little pedantic about football terms because college football coaches are also stupid and like to use acronyms and these little cliches. But one, controlling your own destiny. I'm like, doesn't every team control their own destiny? Just like, hey, if I win all my games, I'll be good. And if I lose them all, I'll be bad. But, they really do in that uh, you beat Georgia, <laughs> sitting at eight and one, top of the charts. Mizzou really has goals as a team. Everything's on the table here. Yeah, it's a unique circumstance that you find yourself having a season like this ranked, and now you happen to get to play the number one team in the nation. Maybe it's not that crazy because we do play in a conference with Georgia, but to be in a circumstance where you're having this kind of season and then really having the ultimate chance to put your stamp on the college football season. Now, I'm not saying we will beat Georgia, but I mean, man, if you're ever going to have the season of seasons, you are 7-1, and one, the number one team in the nation, the team that leads your conference and division. I mean, this is it. I mean, this is what you play football for. This is why you go to all the fucking meetings and lift all the weights and 
sacrifice all the you know, things that you sacrifice. I, it's This is why you do it. I mean, I hope the Tiger players understand how unique and special this opportunity is. You know, you get a buy beforehand to get healthy and study the film or whatever. I mean, like it's all lined up for you to do something incredible here. And you can work as hard as you want, but at the end of the day, it takes opportunity. It takes luck, quite frankly. And the Missouri has got the opportunity and has been lucky in the way the schedule has lined out. And here they are with a bye week going into playing the best team in the country, the best team in their division. It's incredible. And I hope that these players realize how special this is and how unique it is. Because lots of teams will have good seasons from year to year, but very rarely does it line up like this. The bye week really couldn't come at a better time for Mizzou, not just because of where they sit, where their momentum is and what's coming ahead. But we're getting to be banged up a little. Luther Burden obviously looked like he'd hurt his shoulder a little bit during the game. I think that Hopper had gotten hurt, rolled on, and uh, Johnny Walker. There's a number of guys who are sort of the walking wounded right now, and it's an ideal time to get healthy. It's an ideal time to clear your head. Colin and I talked a little bit off air about how you know sometimes a bye week can take the wind out of your sails or just trip up your momentum a little bit. But going up against the number one team in the country, I don't feel like that's the case because Mizzou is not going to be favored in this game. And so we don't have anything to lose heading into Athens, Georgia. And it realistically is the biggest game in a decade for Mizzou. Colin, you know how uh, we're always bragging on Gabe DeArmond and and looking at him for support. I do want to quote him something he said about this game. He said that the only time Missouri football and basketball have been really good at the same time in my lifetime was 2008 to 2010. Mike Anderson went to three straight NCAA tournaments. Gary Pinkle won 10 games twice. It was fun. Every other time in my life, one of the teams has been good. The other has been mediocre or historically bad. This feels like a moment in time we haven't seen very much at all. Now it's up to Eli Drinkwitz and Dennis Gates to keep it rolling. It really is that way right now. Like it snuck up on me how good things are because I was so pessimistic going into the season. But it's true. This is a time where we should savor it and, uh, give up our negativity for a little bit and realize that we're, things are going good. Things are rolling and it's fun. Yeah. Every savor, every second of it. Cause as move Mizzou fans know, you know, it, it won't always last. It's definitely not always going to be this good. And it's hard to know. I mean, it, it's easy to buy in on the football team now, but you know, they had seven and one did not always look pretty. And, but this was really the first game where I'm like, Oh, they were dominant. Like this is this team. Like South Carolina did not have an answer. Now, granted, South Carolina was offensive line was held together with fucking bubble gum and band-aids. I mean, it was they were in rough shape, but we were never really in danger in this game. We basically just manhandled South Carolina. Vindication for me, who you know was excoriated for calling mid- South Carolina middling mm-hmm. while also calling Mizzou middling. Yes. And I said that they should be a bump in the road. And I remember several people who listened to that South Carolina uh, show. You know, we're saving this. I mean, a lot of those kind of tweets. Mm-hmm. You well, know, I didn't get any uh, those saved tweets sent at me. Yeah, didn't you? You said you had bookmarked a few things on your own, right? Yeah, but I was too lazy to look them up. So <laughs> uh, it's a special time for Mizzou. And uh, this game was, I mean, just fun to watch. I mean, usually when Mizzou has won, is dominating has not been the word used, especially when you're talking about in-conference play. I mean, most of the games are more like Kentucky, where it's sort of a dogfight. Uh, in this case, South Carolina just couldn't deal with us. And Blake Baker's credit, he was blitzing the shit 
out of Spencer Rattler, which yep. is what he should have done against Jaden Daniels. I still will stand by that, but we brought pressure all day. And, you know, sure, you may get burned over the top, but I don't know. I just feel like dropping into that stupid soft zone burns us every time. And if I'm going to have any complaint about this game, it's the other side of the ball that does this every time. We get a huge lead and Drinkwitz goes to fucking Marty Schottenheimer mid-90s Chiefs football, three yards and a cloud of dust. I'm like, why would you go away from the thing that has dominated this team that you're playing? Why would you change a fucking thing? It's a typical case of a coach overthinking and you know just stick with what you're doing you know let brady cook keep throwing that football he's doing a great job of it they have no answer for cody schrader cody schrader just ran all over these guys it's the first game where our offensive line looked really good run blocking because they have been okay in pass block but man a run block at the times when we the better the defensive line we play the less effective our run game is because i still have questions on our offensive line but man they manhandled south carolina up front you said that uh, this was the first dominating performance you'd seen. I would say that the Kentucky game, short of the first quarter, obviously, was the same way. I think the last seven quarters yeah. of football, Mizzou has been far and away better than the competition. And the competition happened to be division opponents, conference opponents, one on the road. And the other one, South Carolina, we had said, look, they've got a bad record right now, but they played teams close. And they're not maybe as bad as their record indicates. They looked every bit as bad as their record indicates. And Mizzou did what good teams are supposed to do. Put away inferior competition without much problem. Well, and that's what this is. This is a good football team. And I wasn't lying. South Carolina is middling. Kentucky is middling. Missouri is middling most years. But they're not middling this year. They're good this year. And Lord knows I hope it continues. Whether it continues next year, the year after that, or the year after that, it doesn't matter. It's it's good right now. It's better than middling. And so while South Carolina and Kentucky fans scratch their head, how does Mizzou do this to us? Like, sorry, we're just good this year. Yeah. You know, we're not living in the perpetual middling bubble with you guys this year. Hopefully this is a permanent change of residence from fucking middling bubble. Hopefully this is a this is a change of residence to sort of where we lived in the Big Twelve, where yeah, it was dominated by Oklahoma and Texas, but there were a handful of teams you knew every year that were going to be the ones punching the people in the dick, trying to grab the brass ring, and that was Mizzou. And maybe to even lesser extent, at least in the 90s, Kansas State. But, you know, we were that second tier sort of trying to get over that Oklahoma hurdle. Yeah, And we're not that in the SEC. At least we haven't been to this point. That hurdle being Georgia, and I would say those people trying that at that Mizzou level are like Tennessee. Tennessee's at that. Like, are they going to be good enough? Can they get there? And I hate to give Tennessee that credit. But, and probably Florida. Florida's really bad right now. But that's, that's where I sort of view that second tier. And, and that can all change. Hmm. And I think this could be the season where it does change. And you kick a Florida out of the way and you say, no, we're the guys that are trying to kill Goliath. We're not in the, in the middle bubble anymore. We're the pesky upstart who wants to jam it in the big guy's ass. <laughs> Yeah, and I think when you are the middling program like Mizzou has been one of, there are years that you you pop up, and that may be where we are. That may be, you know, we this is our little time to shine. Tennessee gets their little time to shine. South Carolina has some time to shine once every 20 years or so. Uh, but I think this is the second time since we've been in the conference that Mizzou has been in the hunt and in the conversation. And the more times this happens – the more the other programs in this conference have to say, mm, maybe they're not Vanderbilt, you know, but maybe 
we look stupid saying they are Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt never does this. And Mizzou has now done it multiple times. And we don't know where the season's going to end up. We may lose out. It could happen. I don't think we will. We're too good. We're probably going to beat Arkansas. Arkansas looked terrible this last weekend. Tennessee and Florida, both capable of beating us. Absolutely. But we're also very capable of beating Florida. And I, I'll tell you what, Colin, you said at one point in this season, what does Eli Drinkwitz have to do to win you back to me because I had been so hard on Eli Drinkwitz early in this season. And I said eight wins and he's on the doorstep of that now, but something else he can do that would absolutely make me fall on my sword about everything I said about Eli Drinkwitz is kick the living fuck out of the Tennessee volunteers because they have owned us the last couple of years. And I hate that. I hate the way we've been embarrassed by them. And this is a year that if God, if we could beat Tennessee, and you know how sweet the sour grapes are whenever Tennessee gets beaten by Mizzou, that mm-hmm. would feel so good. And God Almighty, I want to beat Georgia. But if we beat Tennessee this year, Eli Drinkwitz, I will. I'll drink your bathwater. Well, uh, delicious. I'm sure it will be. Listen, Mizzou's the second best team in the East right now. They know two. I, I don't think there's any two ways about. It. I mean, like other than Georgia, there's not a team right now that I'd say Mizzou couldn't beat. We may not beat Tennessee. We may not beat Florida, but we should. We are better football teams than them. And if we don't win, it will probably be because of some mistake we've made, penalties or what have you, turnovers. I don't know. But but Mizzou is legitimately good. You know, this is not a fluke. We're not just having a nice little run of luck. There's talent all over the field. You know, we got a kicker who's kicked 13 now, 14, 50-plus yard field goals in his career as a kicker. We've got the best wide receiver in the country. On the other side, we have one of the best wide receivers in the country, not named Luther Burden and Theo Weiss. We've got Mookie Cooper, who would start for any team in the, the SEC. We've got Cody Schrader, who got every running back snap in this game. And I was happy to, fine, fine. You know, like Pete, I think, is a good player. I think he's got, there's an electricity in his game that I, I think Mizzou should try to utilize, but who can fucking begrudge Cody Schrader getting all the snaps? He's been a fucking workhorse. He's one of the best rushers in the nation. We've got a defense that at least the last two games has been smothering. Johnny Walker Jr. is a legitimate edge rusher. You know, our secondary is good. Our linebackers, I wish we had more depth, but still, we are good across the board. There's not a position group on this football team that I think, wow, we just are really lacking. I mean, look at the tight end, Northfleet. Suddenly we have a tight end again. Credit to Drinkwitz because sometimes I've gotten frustrated with him because I feel like, like every coach, he can be a little set in his ways. But Stevens did us such a favor by fucking hot dog water shitting on his shoes and dropping four straight passes in that game. Because since then, Norfleet's been starting and has been the primary target if you're going to throw to a tight end. And that's one of those things that I don't know if Drinkwitz would have done that without Stevens completely puking on his shoes. But thank God he did because it just made us a better football team. Absolutely. And, you know, Drinkwitz has done something that I felt like he didn't do in the last couple of years, which is he's made alterations when it's shown itself to be necessary. And, you know, frankly, he even admitted, I think, in his SEC coaches conference call this week, not being the offensive play caller has benefited the program. And he's able to do things. He's able to pay attention to more things because that heavy responsibility is off of his shoulders, particularly the fake punt call. It's it's something that should be obvious, I guess. I mean, Barry Odom and Eli Drinkwitz both came in as young, relatively new head coaches and made this exact same mistake. I'm going to keep doing the thing that I've always done that I know, which is either calling the defense or calling the offense. And it never works. You know, it just doesn't work. But 
all head coaches, I think, just like politicians, they have to have a level of arrogance to even have this job because you're going to be well, constantly bring- listening and people tell you you're doing it wrong. So you have to have this feeling. It's like, well, I don't care what's ever happened in the history of the world. I can figure it out. But it went against logic and he figured that out and he's got somebody to make calls for him now and he can be a more well-rounded head coach and it's paying dividends. Well, Brennan, and, and it makes sense, all the sense in the world. What name an, I mean, essentially, what is a football team? A giant business, a giant corporation with over 100 employees when you count all your players and coaches and staff. What CEO in their fucking right mind would be like, hey, I'm going to run this corporation, but I'm going to have to also pack the bearings <laughs> down in the fucking warehouse. You know, like, yeah. what are you talking about? So like, this no, mailroom's not going to stuff the letters itself. <laughs> yeah. Those envelopes aren't going to lick themselves, fellas. What are you talking about? You're the fucking CEO. Run the fucking program. Hire coaches to do – I mean, impose your will on those coaches if you want. Say, this is what I'm looking for. This is the tempo I want to look for. This is the you know the, the kind of offense I want to run. But then let them run it. I know the only thing that worries me is I need, they need to hire one more coach to stand next to Eli Drinkwitz to tell him now the clock works. When we get that coach <laughs> hired, and then we got Blake Baker and Kirby Moore, then I'm going to be really happy about the way things are. But I can't – it is a, when you really break it down and boil it down, it's a crazy thing to expect the CEO of a company with over 100 employees to not be handing off those responsibilities to someone else. It's a big operation, and – I don't know. It's hard to understand the demands on a coach's time at that level until you've been around it. And those guys, every fucking minute of their fucking day is spoken for. And the very few minutes that aren't spoken for, they still have families, you know, that rarely get to see them. And so I I just, I can't imagine having to try to coordinate the offense. And then Drinkwitz has a hard enough time managing the clock. Imagine trying to do it while you're game playing, you're trying to pick plays and scheme it up. I'm like, I, I just, it seems like the, most natural thing in the world to hand over those responsibilities and really truly treat it like you're a, you're the CEO of a company. Yeah. There's a reason why uh, coordinators are paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. It's because it's an important job and we've gotten to there, you know, it's, it's, we're past having to worry about that and it's paying dividends and we haven't really even talked about the actual game itself and what transpired because Missouri did something that was incredibly valuable, which is they absolutely just put away South Carolina in the first half. The game was over at halftime, frankly. You know, there were moments where South Carolina could have clawed their way into it. They had opportunities to claw their way back into it. Yeah, that drop punt. Yeah. Our punter went ahead and, you know, he was riding that all-time high at throwing a touchdown pass from the week four and then uh, shits his drawers and drops the ball on the the punt. And that gave them great field position and gave them a field goal early on in the second half. And I was like, oh, here we go. You know, typical Mizzou because I still remember the Mizzou Blues. Of course, they're going to drop a punt and give them great field position and let them score. Of course, it's all going to go wrong. Of course, we're going to lose in some fucking heartbreaking fashion. And you know what? We didn't because this is a different team and this is a different year and we're really good at football. And it's the perfect remedy to the scourge of this fan base, the Mizzou Blues. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. A lot of Mizzou Blues is in the rearview mirror. If only, again, they could find a cure for small pickle syndrome, then I'd be really sick. <laughs> But yeah. no, uh, we we uh, we scored early and often. It didn't seem like it because the second half we h- did have sort of the M- Marty Schottenheimer offense. But believe it or not, we actually outscored South Carolina in the second half as well. They never scored a touchdown. Well, th- w- that that was what was frustrating is that finally South Carolina put up enough of a fight that they they opened the playbook up a little bit. And also to Cook's credit, when he was given the opportunity to throw on third down after we'd run it up the middle twice. He connected on those passes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 
really Cook succeeded in spite of ultra-conservative play calling in the second half. <laughs> it was This was set up to be a trap game for us. It's a trap! Because it was very easy to look ahead to Georgia. And I was really worried because you heard a lot of talk about 7-1 and one and going into Georgia and all this presumptive thought going in. And it seemed very trap-like. But never for a minute did this team look like they were walking into a trap game and weren't ready. Frankly, they walked into the Kentucky game more like that than they did the South Carolina game. Colin, you had brought my attention to an article from Benjamin Hockman from the St. Louis yes. Post-Dispatch. I think probably our favorite writer from the Post-Dispatch and had a little write-up about not just this game, but where this season is going and the emotion around Columbia right now. If we don't do this often, I'm going to read it in its yeah. entirety to the listeners because I think if you like this show, if you like Mizzou football, you're going to want to hear it, even if you've read it yourself. Yeah. This is it sums it up better than you or I can, who are frankly bad yes. at talking and writing and reading. Yeah. You know, reading's not yeah. a strong point for me. Yeah, I, I got very drunk and I uh, texted Brennan that I wanted him to read it in his dulcet tones to the fan base. Because again, it, it does say it better than we ever can. And I think this is the only time maybe other than Joe Wall Jasper, we've straight up just read an article from uh, somebody in the press corps. But it's, it's good. Okay. As I watched the alumni rumble west across the Interstate 70, past the map dots and McDonald's, some tailgating on their way to tailgates, it made me think. The same drive as always was different. For these Missouri football fans from St. Louis, Columbia wasn't just a casual game day getaway. Because this time, and in nearly a decade for the first time, Mizzou matters. The football Tigers entered Saturday ranked number 20 in the nation. Hadn't been this high since 2014. Sure, it was homecoming. There would be beer and parties and carefree frivolities. But this football game was an event. An anticipated, important event, because Mizzou, can you believe it, is actually good again. And with a stunning Mizzou offensive showing in the first half, almost as stunning as Mizzou's defensive showing in the first half, the Tigers overwhelm South Carolina 34-12. Now let's nitpick. Mizzou's offense definitely dropped off in the second half as the Tigers came out of the locker room up 24-3. But look, Mizzou covered the spread, and its opponent never was really in the game. Mizzou is 7-1 and one and has its shot against number one. We have a fortnight until that big night. Mizzou at Georgia, November 4th. Mizzou will be the underdog, but Mizzou has shown this season that it has the offensive firepower and defensive fire smothering to play with anyone. So the Tigers will get the ultimate chance to prove that in their game. Ask if we've seen Mizzou's best yet, Coach Eli Drinkwitz said, No, not even kind of. But what I saw Saturday in Columbia was a statement. And the state is stirring. The fans poured into Memorial Stadium. The announced crowd of 62,621 made for Mizzou's third straight sellout. And you couldn't even see the grass in the north end zone. Fans sardined beside each other. And the white M of rocks was more than half covered by fans too. Asked to guess, an outsider wouldn't have been able to identify the letter. The whole day was a showcase to recruits and boosters. From all the homecoming festivities to the Tiger Walk to bells and whistles in the renovated parts of the stadium, it was a heck of a party, and the host was Desiree Reed Francois, the forward-thinking, never-settling athletic director. And on Thoreau Field, credit Drinkwitz, who won a seventh game for the first time in his four Missouri seasons. If anything, there was fear that if he didn't win seven, he could lose his job. Looks like that debate is done. And even if the Tigers lose to Georgia and even Tennessee and Florida, Mizzou should beat at least Arkansas. 
That would give Mizzou eight wins for the first time since 2018. The time before that, the famed 2014 season. Gary Pinkle and Matty Mock, Shane Ray, and Russell Hansborough. The boys finished 11-3 while going 7-1 in the Southeastern Conference. The highest they were ranked was 14th. Mizzou probably won't vault that high after the win over South Carolina, but Mizzou definitely would after a win at Georgia. Shoot, you'd have to think they'd crack the top 10 at that point. We're just trying to bring back success to Mizzou and ultimately STP. Quarterback Brady Cook said of the something-to-prove mentality of the Tigers, We've said it for months. We have something to prove, and that's going to stick with us. It's fair to dream. It's fair to let your mind jump back to the heyday of 2013 and 14, and then back to the future in November of 2023. There's a lot of good stuff going on here in Columbia. And while there's anticipation about whether receiver Ryan Wingo of St. Louis U High will choose Mizzou, the current Tigers offense already is dominating thanks to St. Louis dudes. Receiver Luther Burden III made an improbable catch for Mizzou's first touchdown. It was a 42-yard haul as he outleaped two defensive players while eyeballing the ball as it went from sunshine to shade. It was a catch that gets made on Sundays. And teammate Mookie Cooper had a team-high six catches for 57 yards. Running back Cody Schrader dominated the first half, 102 rushing yards, and finished the day with 159 and two touchdowns. And the offense obviously revolved around the resplendent redhead, Cook. It wasn't his best game, they all won't be, but he spearheaded the incredible first-half explosion that took the gusto and gumption and other guh words out of the Gamecocks. For the day, the Chaminade kid finished 14 for 24 passing for 198 yards and a touchdown. And as a rusher, he finished with 64 yards and a 20-yard touchdown run. He didn't throw an interception. He operated the game. And he won, yet again, for his home state team. This time, on homecoming day, As the story goes, Cook the Kid would ride with his family across I-70 for Mizzou games throughout his childhood. He was 13 in 2014. He's felt it before, and he's creating the feeling again. Saturdays as a kid was something I'll never forget, Cook said. I think this tops it, though. Being out there playing, this is definitely something I've thought about. And to be in the game and actually out there doing this, it's incredible. Yeah, and, and you know, it is something that we haven't leaned on a lot, but it's certainly true about this season and the stories of Cody Schrader and Brady Cook. They were nice stories at first, but now they're winning and now they're creating a special season. And particularly Cody Schrader, who was, you know, Division Two guy who nobody wanted and isn't just starting in Division One now, but leading the SEC in rushing yards. That's an amazing story. And Brady Cook is an amazing story. And it's amazing because they're winning, not because where they went to school. It's amazing because they're winning. It makes it hard not to root for a team like Mizzou, to be honest. Brennan, I don't know if we need to get into the details of the game. All that we need to know is we manhandled South Carolina, and we have uh, the ultimate opportunity ahead of us. So I'm very eager to hear the listeners' thoughts because they're – I am too. Bound to be happy. I'm also eager to hear some sour grapes because South Carolina, for some reason, just like Arkansas, reminds me very much of Arkansas, thinks that they're just way better, you know better than anybody from going on that Spurs Up show, than the Missouri people. And so the grapes were sour, more sour than I expected. I'm looking forward to it. We'll get to it all after the break. This is the Mazzotcast. (laughs) 
Hey guys, Mazodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. back that one was called dia de los mortos from friend of the show dan ruprecht always amazing when people with real talent actually listen to this show if you want to get your music out in the world send it to mazodcast at gmail.com we'd be happy to play it on the show and get some ears on it it's time for the mazodcast mailbag i will say i think 75 <laughs> percent of it might be just carolina jackpot calling in drunk and screaming at us so i hope you're <laughs> ready for that. As always, the last five years, sorry, Carolina Jackpot, when we pull down your pants and spank your little baby bottom. But that seems to be the tradition as uh, we win the Mayor's Cup. The Mayor's Cup is collecting dust in Mizzou's trophy case. Let's get to it now. This is the Mazodcast Mailbag. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. I hate your fucking dorky coach. I hate your kid and play white bed, bravey face looking motherfucking quarterback. And I hate your fucking division two transfer running back. And I fucking hate most of all our shitty ass defense. Fuck this game, man. Fuck it. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> hey, Jackpot. What's yeah. up, buddy? Was that Jackpot? Uh, yeah, I love Carolina Jackpot, but that is music to my ears. I mean, I could play that to go to sleep at night. So Shane Beamer breaks his fucking foot, and instead of doing what he needs to do with it to make it heal faster and sticking it up Missouri's fucking ass, what does he do with it? Uh, he lets his team take it and uh, play around with it, laugh at it, and stick it up his fucking mouth and up his ass. Goddamn, I don't even know what I'm saying right now. I'm so fucking mad at this shithole performance right now that I could spit nails. You guys are going to win this fucking game 70 to fucking... Three. We might score a fucking, uh, <laughs> what is it, a, a, a mercy fuck uh, field goal with two minutes left. Fucking, I'm so damn pissed right now. M-I-Z-Z-O, me and you, fuck. No, it sounds like, to me, Colin, Caroline Jackpot's in his feels, and he might have a case of the Gamecock Blues. I'm not familiar with the Gamecock Blues. Would you just listen from South Carolina? I think that's a, a textbook case. Try penicillin first. Let's see uh, if somebody else has something to say about this game. What pisses me off the <laughs> most about this house party kid and play some of bitch is what the fuck has he done to elevate his damn game so fucking quickly and that we can't fucking find the damn formula to replicate the same damn success? I don't fucking Drink which is a wizard. It just, it's just fucking absolutely maddening. And then your fucking goofy door. You know who your fucking coach reminds me of? You ever watch 1980s wrestling? Jim Cornette, heel manager of the Midnight Express, who's a little geeky fucking manager with the tennis racket and the fucking glasses. She wanted to slap the damn shit out that of him. That is a deep you pull. Hated him, but you couldn't do <laughs> anything about it because the Midnight Express always found a fucking way to win matches. 
That's what he fucking reminds me of. He should shut up that. We got to clean that up. Blah, 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 blah. On the fucking sidelines. God, man. This fucking makes me so damn mad. We're going down the fucking toilet. And you guys are climbing it. And taking a fucking shit on us. Off the top of the damn tank. Fucking hey. <laughs> It was a deep pull. Uh, it's maybe too deep for the Save by the Bell sound, Colin. One, too deep for me. One thing I will say, tip my hat to to uh, Carolina Jackpot. We mentioned Brady Cook's haircut looking like Kid and Play an episode or two ago. And we never mentioned the movie House Party, which starred Kid and Play. But clearly, Carolina Jackpot remembers Kid and Play and then threw that House Party movie reference into his voicemail. So hats off to him for knowing exactly what we were talking about. I'll also say Shane Beamer fucking sucks and Spencer Rattler fucking sucks. And do you remember just a year ago, Colin, they were talking about like Heisman shit with Spencer Rattler and how he was one of the best quarterbacks in college football and in the SEC. And we have had absolutely no trouble with that motherfucker. Of course, he did get sacked, I think, six times in this game, which makes it hard for anybody. But uh, Spencer Rattler, go fuck off with your Spencer Rattler talk. Yeah, there was a lot of chatter on Twitter before this game about Rattler and Cook. And the course of South Carolina fans, the audacity to think Cook might be better despite the fact that every statistical category Cook is better. But it's kind of like the wins and losses record, Brennan. Doesn't matter how many times in a row we beat South Carolina. They're like, we should beat Mizzou. I'm like, should you though? Yeah. Because I don't feel like this. that's true. Nothing about the history of the world has indicated so. Yeah. Hey, yo, I'm at the Mizzou game right now. It would be great if I could get on the podcast. I love you guys. <laughs> you made the show, kid. Congrats. Bring in a whole new generation of Mizzoucast fans. Yeah. Parents, what are you doing letting them listen to this show? Good work. Third quarter, 317 left. Carolina 9, Turds 24. Yeah, third, just a second ago, we had a drive going. We were, you know, it, if we could get a fucking touchdown, a two-point conversion, we'd just think 24-17, make it a real fucking ball game again. But unlike last week on third down, every time Florida had the fucking football, they converted on third down. What do we do? Our offensive line fucking shifts the damn bed and lets this fucking hopper or one of these other motherfuckers make a goddamn play. I'm so fucking mad right now. It must be nice to have a football team that actually fucking executes. M-I-Z-Z-O men. Fuck you. <laughs> Jackpot is in his feels. Yeah. That, Colin, is the Gamecocks blues. Yeah. I feel like Jackpot's got the right temperament to run for Congress in the South. Sure he does. Maybe the South Carolina Sads. Is that better than the Gamecock blues? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. South Carolina Sads. We know it. It's, It's very similar to the Mizzou blues. We know it. You know, congratulations to the Missouri man Back again. and to the Missouri ladies. Ooh, it's a lady. For the, what, fifth, sixth fucking year in a row, tired of bitching, tired of talking shit and thinking that we can actually fucking do something. You know, decent coaches who put together decent fucking programs actually take players that may not be five stars, may not even be fucking four stars, but they actually do something fucking with them. Coaches who are losers break their fucking foot, and they sit here and laugh about it and watch the coach who does the other shit run up and down the goddamn field on them. Congratulations, guys, and um, I hope the best for Mizzou the rest of the way. Fucking A. M-I-Z-C-O, me and you. 
signing off maybe, in the seat. Maybe we can get uh, Carolina Jackpot a, a teamectomy like that JD guy from Arkansas wants to do. Yeah. You know, we just we just convert two listeners to Mizzou fans. We're like, just come join the Join the side of goodness and light. Join Mizzou. Yeah, you know, Colin, and we have taken a severe beating early on in the year for being too negative, but we've already converted an Arkansas fan over, and if we can take a South Carolina fan over to Mizzou as well, I mean, how negative can we be? How many people have you converted over to the Mizzou side, motherfuckers? Oh, that's that's my biggest gripe when people are like, you guys aren't real fan Pollyanna all the time. You got to be super high on everything. Can't be like, fuck you. I've been doing a podcast for 10 years on Mizzou. What have you been doing? <laughs> That's right. We must really hate Mizzou if we've dedicated <laughs> yeah, we a, an entire right. decade to talking about them. So I'm not as sad today. I'm happy they won. And even if we <laughs> lost to Georgia next week, I wouldn't be mad because, you know, it's Georgia, even though we should have beat them last year. So it's cool. I'm also happy because I bet the under on yep. yards for Cook. So I won some money there. So that's good. And but I, I am mad because Arkansas lost, and I bet Arkansas to win yeah, big too. time because I thought Mississippi State was trash, but looks like they both hot garbage. And garbage. Hot, 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 hot. Yep. That's yep. it, but I'm glad we won. That's, we look good. The defense, for real, I think, maybe. Uh, we'll see, though. So. I like right. this guy's analysis. See you next on that, on that Georgia game. I'm ready now. I like this guy's analysis because it's it's measured and intelligent, and it's got a hint of Mizzou Blues. <laughs> you, know, you can tell he's just waiting for the other shoe to drop, which yeah. I can appreciate as much as anyone. For sure. And I also bet Arkansas to beat Mississippi State. Had no idea Arkansas was as bad as they were. Good Lord, Sam Pittman. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's great. And it does sound like his Mizzou Blues has abated for the time being. And I'm happy to hear it because uh, it's no fun. It's no fun to suffer through. This is old Doc Johnson calling from Colorado. I've been watching these Tigers since 1974, boys. And I can tell you two things. One. This Tiger team's got a chance to do something special. And two, the South Carolina Gamecocks blow dead bears in hell for quarters. Hell, a quarter might even be too much. They probably do it for nickels. Nice win today by the Tigers. M-I-Z. <laughs> Z-O-U. That's an analogy I'm, I'm not familiar with. Hadn't heard before. No. I've heard about giving punks hand jobs under the Queensboro Bridge for $10 a man. Yeah. You've heard about it? or no, I've just heard about it. Okay. Sure. 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 Big win for the Tigers today, fellas. Defense dominated start to finish. Offense started fast with a little tight butthole there in the third quarter, but closed it out when we needed it. Cody Schrader, fucking dog. Five in a row against the Cox. Still haven't lost the Beamers, clown ass. Also, uh, very excited that JD's transfer request got approved mm. after Arkansas lost one of the ugliest SEC games in the last 15 years. So, uh, super stoked to have him on board as well. Uh, on to the bye week and on to Georgia. Let's go, fellas. Seven and one. Miz. That's right. Yeah, we're all congratulate. We're all happy for JD for joining the board. And uh, yeah, obviously his uh, transfer portal request was approved. So well, you know, go Tigers. Why? Well, I, I hope JD is joining the crowd at the right time too. I feel like uh, you know Mizzou obviously is doing well in football. The basketball team seems to be on the up and up. And I feel like he may be like my kids and Pat Mahomes, like. You know, my kids will never know the suffering that is Scott Pioli and Matt Castle and Todd Haley. You know, he'll never know that. He'll never know the suffering of watching Tyler Thigpen try to lead your football team. He'll only know a world where the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Super Bowl rings. <laughs> and if Jay's lucky, 
he will only know a world where Mizzou is atop the SEC East in football and cramming it in people's butts in basketball. History is not kind to that uh, hope, Colin. But yeah, I I, I, know. I, I hope the same. Now, I, you know, well that's what I'm, that's what I hope for him. Now, in all realism, he's should prepare for suffering. Yeah, a great deal of suffering. But yeah. right, not right now. Yeah, if you were tr- trying to avoid suffering from being an Arkansas fan, trading to Mizzou historically <laughs> it's a tough bet. It's better. Don't me wrong. It's better. You know, if you really want to enjoy, you should probably switch to like Georgia, but uh, we're happy to have you yeah, regardless. The, the fan who's been uh, watching since 1974, don't ask him whether trading toward Mizzou is a safe bet to avoid heartache because he might have some things to tell you. What's up, dum-dums? I usually only call when I'm pissed off, so I'm bringing balance to the force here. Very mm-hmm. pleased with the team. 22-point victory in the SEC is good, no matter how you dice it. Sure, there's plenty to improve on. We're up third quarter, but a 22-point win, like I said, is a 22-point win, and you're playing an SEC squad. So proud of Drinkwitz, proud of Brady Cook, proud of Cody Schrader, proud of Luther Burden, proud of all the guys out there fighting. And I uh, can't wait to see Ryan Wingo commit on Wednesday. M-I-Z. Yeah, it's, it's looking that way. There's a lot of Wingo talk. I don't want to count our chickens, but uh, things are looking yep. good. He was in attendance at the homecoming game, and you couldn't have asked for a better performance to uh, mm-hmm. impress yeah. a recruit. A 20-plus point win, which Mizzou covered, Brennan, as you'll tell everyone right now. That's right. Good teams win. Great teams cover. This win was sweeter than the milk that comes from Sam Pittman's big old pig ditty. <laughs> <laughs> oh pig titties i like it i love it <laughs> it's what they are i'd be yeah. mad at a kid saying that but it's tell me, yeah, why he's tell lying. me how he's wrong yeah, yeah it's, where's the lie where's the lie this is the misery index cape Girardeau, missouri i'd make a, com- a comment about william quattro but that motherfucker never heard of a south carolina this is the best Mizzou team since I've been old enough to drink beer and do drugs. <laughs> so I'm going to have fun tonight, boys. Two weeks <laughs> I love the it. Super Bowl. Mm. <laughs> I fucking Z. Quantrell reference. Yeah, I think it should be stated, Colin, by this podcast that we are opposed to everything William Quantrell believed in, except for one policy he had, which was to burn down Lawrence, Kansas. That policy held merit, but everything else... <laughs> We do not abide by and yeah. do not. Uh, we unequivocally stand for. disagree with him in all other aspects, except for the burning down Lawrence, Kansas part. Th- that's right. I think that's pretty much where we stand on that. We're the only game we didn't play a Super Bowl against was LSU. Yeah, that was our only non-Super Bowl game. Crazy. You would have thought that one would have been the Super Bowl, but turns yeah, out, yeah, I, I know, it, right? Guess it was uh, K State, South Carolina, Middle Tennessee State. This is fun, man. This is really fun. No matter what happens in a couple of weeks down in Athens, we've had a lot of fun this year. I'm uh, I'm enjoying it. Miz, concise, positive phone call. Love it. What a game! We kind of looked like shit in the second half. I'm not gonna lie. It was the most nerve wracking blowout I've ever watched in my damn life. But uh, Spencer Rattler looked like hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. garbage. He was caught with his pants down. So let's rest up and uh, on to the next game on to Georgia. Miz, baby. Look, Colin, I know what this guy's talking about, about being sort of nerve-wracking in the second half. Because yeah, on the few occasions that Mizzou has blown teams out, I've felt this way too. Like anytime, there's always going to be something that doesn't go your way, even if you're up by three scores. And I start to get nervous. But 
I looked over at my wife while I was watching this game because I also know when I'm watching other teams who are clearly in command, I'm like, well, they're not going to lose. You know, this is, they've got this, this is iced. And she was that way, you know, watching. She's like, what are you worried about? Like, this is done. And she was right. It was done. But when you love the team you're watching, you don't feel that way in the moment. You know, like, oh, shit, it could turn on a dime. No, it was over. It was over. I felt this way watching South Carolina Twitter eviscerate their team while Mizzou took it to them. You know, like, why is this guy not doing this? Why is this happening here? And I was like, is that what we're doing? Because this is just clearly, Mizzou's just a better team, like, across the board. And South Carolina fans, like, kept trying to chalk it up some missed opportunity by the coaches or, like, the player. Rattler's not doing what he needs to do. I'm like, Rattler is getting fucking gang-raped on every play. Like, you guys are just getting swamped by a better team. There's no reason to throw stones at the uh, players or even like, I mean, the only reason you can throw stones at the coaches because he recruited this fucking gaggle of turds. But I, I watched that game and just thought Mizzou's just a, they're not, they're a good team. And this is a very middling South Carolina team. To be fair, if we were in that position, we would be amongst the uh, mob as well. Hey boys, JD here. This is going to be the last time that I speak of Arkansas Razorback football on your podcast. But first, before I get into that real quick, I want to say congratulations again. You guys, uh, you know, another week, another win. Uh, you may, you had to play your ass off against Georgia, but uh, I think you guys can do it. I think you got a hell of a team. I know you have a hell of a team, and I'm proud. We'll have to, to play our ch- asses off, JD. To be on the wagon, man. Thank you guys for accepting me into the, one into the club. Yep. Uh, Welcome. Now getting to Arkansas real quick. Like I said, it'll be the last time I talk about it. Uh, I don't fucking understand how a motherfucker that was considered one of the best O-line coaches in the co- in the goddamn country can can fucking have an O-line that is can't even block up fucking high school football players. You know, and, and then our fucking quarterback, KJ, he's too worried about sucking fucking titties than he is about playing fucking football. But anyway. Titty sucking is fun, um, to be fair. Yeah, they fucking suck. They shit down both goddamn legs. Fucking hot garbage hobo cum. Hot garbage hobo cum. Everything you, any fucking analogy you want to put out there, that motherfucker is terrible. It's fucking terrible, and it breaks my fucking heart. It breaks my goddamn heart that Arkansas fucking Razorback football sucks so fucking bad. But you know what? It is what it fucking is, and I'm sick of it. Forty-eight fucking years of being a goddamn fan, I've spent probably twenty, thirty thousand dollars on fucking tickets and flights to fucking Texas to watch them get their goddamn asses pounded every fucking week, and I'm fucking sick of it. Fuck those motherfuckers. Anyway, back to Missouri. Man, I'm excited. I'm, I'm on the fucking wagon. I'm not going back. I'm not going to be a fucking, uh, I'm not going to AA or nothing, you know, for jumping off the fucking bandwagon. I'm on it. My wife's proud. She even sucked me off last night because she said, hey, she's proud of me for fucking coming over to the other side. So uh, that's that doesn't happen very often. So anyway, yeah. I want to get off here. I don't want to take up too much time. But hey, thank you again. Let's go fucking Missouri. And let's uh, let's have a hell of a season. M-I-Z, baby. Z-O-U. You hear that, Jackpot? You come over to Mizzou Bandwagon, you might get your cock sucked. He was uh, looking for a new way to talk about how bad Arkansas is. I think Taint Cheese. Brendan, can we make a Taint Cheese drop? <laughs> Your team is Taint Cheese. Taint Cheese. Uh, sure, sure, I guess. I mean, uh, Arkansas <laughs> definitely played like Taint Cheese. Taint Cheese. <laughs> yeah. Hot dog water. Hot dog water. Hot garbage. Hot hot garbage. Hot garbage. Hobo cum. And now taint cheese. Hobo cum. Taint cheese. If ever there was a taint cheese performance, it was what Arkansas did against Mississippi State. It was one of the worst games I've seen in college football in a very long time. 
They scored three points. <laughs> and first of all, the three points they got were they got a turnover at the beginning of the game and they got the fucking ball in field goal territory to start out with. Obviously couldn't get it into the end zone, got that field goal at the very outset of the game and never scored a fucking point. The defense tried to score a point and Mississippi State had a miracle false start call that called the play back or else they would have lost <laughs> 10 to 6. It Mississippi State is terrible. Don't get me wrong. Mississippi State is terrible, but Arkansas is tank cheese. Tank cheese. <laughs> Shane Beamer reminds me of like that kid in high school. We all know who we're talking about here. That kid in high school that like did shit for attention, like kicking a water cooler and, and breaking his foot. And then post-game press conference, he's talking shit on the visitors. Post-game press conference room. Just shut up. Quit being an idiot. And shut your fucking mouth. M-I-Z, go to the bye week, 7-1, beat Georgia. There's a kid in our high school who put deer piss in the radiator at the school, and the entire heating system at the old-ass school smelled like deer piss, and they had to shut it down for a couple of days. He was kind of a hero, unlike Shane Beamer, though, who broke his foot. Yeah, he was a, he was a brave, brave soul, and we all, all remember him fondly, mm-hmm. even though he's still alive. Somehow. Oh, and one more thing. Just a reminder to all the Mizzou fans. That listen to this. We're not seven and one because this football team is good. We're seven and one because the rest of the SEC is down. So just, you know, kind of curb your expectations. Just kidding. Good reminder. Yeah. Of course, that's the case because the definition of the SEC being down is when Mizzou is good. We all know that. Paul Feinbaum taught us that. You're right about that. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate this caller reminding all Mizzou fans to be aware. Mm -hmm. That's right. Take it easy. Clark guy again. As predicted, made those cocks so flaccid. But more importantly, our numbers, too. We're a second-quarter team. We play like we got a two in our pants in the second half every single time. We got two weeks to prep for Georgia. And the other good news, Mizzou's going to beat Georgia by two points. And I will not shit my pants. Clark guy out. <laughs> Thank you, fart guy. Uh, Colin, I don't know why it struck me as so funny. Just referring to it as a two in his pants. But, uh, yeah, we, we tend to occasionally play like a two is in our pants in the later half of the game. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And congratulations for, uh, for not soiling yourself. It's, it's, it's a low bar, but you jumped it. Yep. <laughs> All right, Colin, let's move along to another important thing we have to do. It turns out, Week in and week out this season, it's time to play Sour Grapes. What you got there, Sour Grapes? You got a grip of Sour Grapes. Oh, them Sour Grapes, you brought them Sour Grapes. Sour Grapes, Sour Grapes, you got them Sour Grapes. Oh, Sour Grapes, you brought a grip of Sour Grapes. Oh, whoa, 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 you got them Sour Grapes. What do you got for us uh, this week, Colin? Well, let's see. Jason Powers at Jason Powers underscore GC writes, there are teams that I hate worse than Missouri, but there isn't a coach I hate losing more to than Eli Drinkowitz. Sour grapes. It's strange. Like, you know, these guys don't watch like Eli Drinkowitz press conferences and stuff. They're truly just basing this off of the way he looks on the sideline. He has wispy hair. And he wears glasses. Yeah, he's got that little corn silk hair underneath that little uh, visor, and he's got his glasses, and he's like, you know, max 5'9", and that's just enough. I do wonder, I mean, to be fair, 
Drinkwitz has gone into SEC media days and strutted his stuff and looked like a little dork and uh, had nothing, had up until the season, had nothing to base his confidence on and drove people crazy. I do wonder, though, if Shane Beamer might have overtaken Eli Drinkwitz as sort of the most hated coach in the conference. People who had no reason to care about Missouri one way or another did not like Eli Drinkwitz. Shane well, Beamer I think is winning cures all. <laughs> well, but Shane Beamer, his likability index has plummeted greatly. Well, that's because he's not winning. Like he's being a heel, just like Drinkwitz. The difference is, is Drinkwitz is winning right now. And suddenly everybody likes Drinkwitz. Everybody's like, maybe we should have hired Drinkwitz. I've seen that in Twitter a million times and message boards. I literally took a screenshot of one message board uh, where there some guy was bemoaning Arkansas not hiring him. And I was just like, Oh, how the tables have turned. Depressed Cat USC at JPEG Meme 467 writes, I hate Eli Drinkwitz with a burning passion. Sour grapes. There you have it. I mean, I can understand that. I don't know who's the coach that we have hated the most. I don't remember really keen in on a, I mean, honestly, Nick Saban's a horrible person. Butch Jones, I I was no fan of. Yeah, Butch Jones, we were pretty hard on him. Uh, Oh, Uh, um, Hugh Freeze, didn't love. Of course, yeah. he's the only course SEC he's coach a who rank actually hypocrite. <laughs> he's a rank hypocrite. The only he one we've the, actually had a conversation with via yeah. Twitter. He was, he Tell was you crazy. how much he loves Jesus while he's not whoring around with prostitutes. That's who you whore around with. Um, uh, <laughs> sure is. Drop your nuts at Big Cock Energy Thirty One says this team makes me want to jump off a bridge. Sour grapes. That's some serious South Carolina sads. Yeah, that's the South Carolina sads if I've ever heard it. And I would encourage this gentleman to jump off that bridge. <laughs> Do it, pussy. Do it. Uh, DRP at DRPIV writes, two years of not showing up versus Mizzou. Maybe someday we can hope to be as good as Missouri. Said no one ever. Miserable. Sour grapes. Um, did you notice the, um, the, the poor math in this tweet? <laughs> what, the two years of not showing up to Mizzou? Yeah, I was like, why is this only this two years count? Because uh, uh, we fucking owned your ass for quite a bit longer than that. Five years straight. I mean, the last two sure were absolute embarrassing blowouts. I'll give you that. But the said no one ever part, I mean, said you, said you for one, and certainly by <laughs> m- many, many Arkansas fans as well. Gamecock Gremlin writes, the thought of most likely losing to the University of Missouri for the fifth straight year is making me fucking sick. Salad grapes. It's not just a thought. It's a reality. It is the reality of getting your ass kicked that is making you sick. That's right. Colin Nameless at the other one says, we'll get them next year. Sour grapes. (laughs) It's kind of some unrealistic Brett Sarver energy he's got. Is he the Brett Sarver of uh, South Carolina football? Really upbeat. No, you won't. No, no, you won't. There's nothing to indicate that. There's only one Brett Sarver. That's right. Uh, Cockfin at D Sandman 1801 writes, I hate that this is true. Why can't Mizzou just go away? There's literally not one famous athlete from Mizzou, and the Gamecocks can't get a W against those fools. Salad grapes. <laughs> I uh, don't even know. Like, this is a level of ignorance. This isn't just ignorant about Mizzou. This is ignorant not to realize that every school has somebody, especially yeah. at Division One. And to say this out loud just exposes... Your ignorance to how you live in such a small bubble in the world that you don't understand that things happen outside of it. This isn't even about football, Colin, but the Major League Baseball playoffs are going on. And Max Scherzer, who's in the playoffs, 
went to Mizzou and will be a first ballot Hall of Fame Cy Young Award, multiple Cy Young Award winning pitcher, went to Mizzou. I mean, it's just, it's pretty easy to start rattling off names of famous athletes who went to the University of Missouri. You're an idiot. David at David Gartner Black writes, are we surprised by Mizzou? I mean, with how their administration and players and other sports have been over the years, I'm not surprised. It's one of the reasons they get so little respect, even when they win. I'm not sure I understand this. I do. I do. It's Don Staley talk. Okay. Well, you know how we got sued, or we sued Don Staley, and she sued Stark for. Uh, yeah, that was that was for me. That was sort of the the nail in the Stark coffin. I'm like, why are you fighting with a fucking women's bas- women's basketball coach? Yeah, yeah, and congratulations for being good at women's basketball. We're good at football. Yeah, I'm not sure if you re- know that because football obviously isn't as popular as women's basketball, but we're pretty good at it. Better than you, in fact, Carolina Jack Pot. <laughs> Wait, I've never heard of this guy. Who's this? It really blows ass when you love college football. I'm going to try to read this in Carolina's voice. Okay, let's hear it. It really blows ass when you love college football and your team as much as I do. It's not even November yet, and I really don't care anymore. Two and five, and we just got blown out by effing Mizzou. Unbelievable. M-I-Z-Z-O-M-E-N-U. How'd that go? that go okay? Yeah, yeah. I want to try. Can I try? Yes, please. It's All right. fun. All right, here it goes. It really blows ass when you love college football and your team as much as I do. But it's not even November yet, and I really don't care anymore. Two and five, we just got blown up by fucking Mizzou. Unbelievable. M-I-Z, me, and fucking you. Hee-haw. <laughs> Pretty close. Spot on, really. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what a... To close it out, okay. we'll go with Timbo at Timbo Beamer. This is my 911. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> what was this game to him, Colin? Can you read it again for me? What? Read it again for me? What was this game to this guy, Timbo? This is my 911. <laughs> uh, sure. Sure. We are, That's sure. Great. That's what I'm going for with every Mizzou win. I want our <laughs> opponents to feel like it's 9-11. Southwest! What a fun year we're having. All right, Colin. Let's move it along to Kansas news. Well, I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. I got to be honest, I don't think Kansas News is going to be able to compete with uh, Sour Grapes this week. It's going to be tough. Uh, first story, Leavenworth, Kansas man caught using fake money to buy chicken wings lands in further trouble. A Leavenworth, Kansas man who used a counterfeit $100 bill to buy a Little Caesars order worth about $15 was only beginning a crime spree that spanned three years and led to convictions where he'll spend over five years in prison and must pay close to $21,000 in restitution. The Leavenworth, Kansas District Attorney's Office says Sean M. Logan, age 44, received 65 months in the Kansas Department of Corrections for 16 criminal charges, all beginning with a visit to Little Caesars for chicken wings. This led to a charge of counterfeit currency months later. Brennan. Yeah. I'm just going to jump right in here and say, if you're getting your chicken wings from Little Caesars, 
you deserve to go to prison. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know if it's as bad as getting your pizza from Little Caesars. <laughs> it's got to be close. Yeah, it's not a good chain. And I love pizza almost anywhere. Months later, Logan was charged with theft after stealing a cutoff saw from a work truck in Main Street of Lansing, Kansas. Later, investigators said Logan stole a Ford Ranger pickup truck in downtown Leavenworth. More fucking Ranger? <laughs> That's right. And used it to help steal a refrigerator from another house. This guy's a stealer. Authorities say that was the first in a series of vehicle burglaries where Logan stole a pickup truck in June, another truck in July, another one, and an SUV in August, and a Subaru and a Ford Ranger in September. He left clues at various crime scenes, including his cell phone and rubber gloves, where his DNA matched. Again, <laughs> another Kansas criminal, maybe not a master criminal, uh, leaving his own cell phone and his DNA yeah, on rubber gloves. Well, I just should have just left your fucking driver's license. Yeah, yeah or just spit into an auger cup, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, just come into a fucking petri dish and leave it on the counter for them to find <laughs> yeah, clip some fingernails while you're at it and, you know? and then put a big sign next to it that says my cum yours assailant <laughs> yeah and then sharpie marker right on the petri dish your social security <laughs> yeah. number uh, yeah although it took time the investigation unfolded due to fingerprints and dna analysis which allowed law enforcement to connect all the crimes said district attorney todd thompson thanks to law yep, enforcement they they finally got to the bottom of this case after having the guy's yeah. cell phone ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he pick, they picked it up as him. He's like, hey, you got my cell phone? Thanks to law enforcement, we finally put an end to these serial burglaries that have greatly impacted our community. Wow. Classic Kansas news story. A classic Kansas criminal. Want to eat squirrel in your backyard, Colin? No, not at all. Well, this Kansas class teaches you how, since you asked. Have you ever wanted to trap, cook, and eat squirrels from your backyard? <laughs> if the answer is yes, and I know that it isn't, the upcoming squirrel clinic in Lawrence could be right up your alley. Amy Bozeman, an education specialist with the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks, is gearing up for the clinic happening later this month. This unique learning opportunity is focused on teaching locals how to eat squirrels in their neighborhood in a safe, legal, and ethical manner. Yeah, just an FYI, guys. Grocery stores yeah. everywhere. They have, <laughs> they have meat, beef. Uh, no need. No need to eat rats with furry tails. Well, Colin, you say they're everywhere. In most of the United States, that's true. But we're talking yeah. about Kansas. And yeah. here's the thing to me is I know that they probably don't have proper grocery stores or, I don't know, even refrigeration at this point. I don't know. But they certainly already know how to kill, skin, and eat squirrel meat. I feel like Kansans do know that. They've been practicing on prairie dogs their entire life. And uh, it's probably, if they're going to get protein, that's how they're doing it, is eating rodent meat out of their own yard. I feel like that all of this is born of sort of a nostalgia for being country folk and, you know, country boy will survive and I can survive and do everything. I understand that, that I understand the sentiment, but people only ate squirrels and rabbits and shit like that because they had to. As soon as they didn't have to anymore, they stopped. I, I've never understood like, Hey, do you want to try some of my fucking, you know, groundhog? I'm like, why the fuck are you eating a groundhog? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, frankly, I feel that way about deer meat. Well, oh, don't get, I mean, we're going to piss off half of our listener base when I, by having this conversation, but fuck it. Deer meat is like, okay. Uh, and that's the highest praise I'm willing to give it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just okay if you don't have beef. <laughs> that's right. Like, Let's it, grind it up and put it in chili so we can hide the flavor. When we you run out of, like, when the world runs out of cows, 
Let's cube up the loin and marinate it for six and a half days <laughs> to get the fucking gamey acorn taste out of it. And th- then maybe well, everybody will enjoy it. I'm like, or you could just make a fucking hamburger in just under eight minutes. Yeah, that's also an option. Colin, I know that this is probably not true in Kansas, but I think there's also, while you're talking about the like good old boy mentality of, of eating and killing and killing and eating, I also think there's an element of like sort of eco green, leave your small footprint and farm your yard, kind of that. I don't know if Kansas has that sort of hippie mentality, but you combine the two and you got yourself a squirrel eating clinic. (laughs) Well, listen, I'm not above eating squirrel. I'm just saying until some sort of apocalyptic event forces me to, I'm not going to. I'm a pretty outside the box program designer, Bozeman said. I try to develop programs that speak to the community in new and innovative ways. Bozeman, who just got done tooting her own horn, uh, encouraged sustainability <laughs> discussions during community events, got the idea to hold a squirrel clinic after hearing of the unruly squirrel problem in Lawrence. She had received several complaints from locals on the issue of squirrels getting into community orchards and grain supplies and backyard farms. Bozeman hopes the clinic is something that can be applied to other population centers in Kansas. The squirrel clinic, or you can buy a cat. (laughs) The squirrel clinic will show locals how to trap squirrels without using firearms, which is illegal within the city limits to help people find other sources of nutrition. Bozeman violating those citizens, the second amendment, right? I hope they know that. Yeah, that's right. Bozeman will show attendees how to ethically dispatch squirrels. Something she says is a better option to pursue when dealing with overpopulation. You catch him in a trap. Then you hit him in the head, get him with a hammer. That's right. You put him in a sock. You know, bash him up with a hammer. Good. Bozeman. You can also, if you don't have a hammer, take that sock and just bait it against a wall. I'm sure Carolina Jackpot can tell us how this works. Uh, yeah. It's a humane way to do it. Keep your firearm in your truck. That's right. Save your bullets. They're expensive. Thanks to Obama. <laughs> uh, Bozeman said she'll show attendees recipes to use when eating squirrels and will let them taste cooked squirrel at the clinic. No, thanks. Displays of traps <laughs> to use will also be on hand. The Squirrel Clinic will be held from 1 to 5 p.m. Saturday, October 28th. Good thing we got a bye week, Colin. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, if you have no any trip. <laughs> if you have any questions, you can email Bozeman directly. It has her email address, and you know, here, I'm just gonna give it out. Furry fetish onlyfans at gmail.com. Oh, sorry, Colin. That's that is her personal email. Her work email is Amy bozeman at ks.gov if you have more questions about this clinic yeah yeah i should encourage everyone listening to email her yeah and it's b-o-u-s-m-a-n amy.bozeman at kansas.gov please we do encourage all of our mizzou fan listeners to email this woman and tell them your thoughts on kansas's squirrel eating clinic man has marry me message cut into kansas soybean field for aerial proposal the usual proposal involves the proposer getting down on one knee before asking for their partner's hand in marriage, but one couple in Kansas decided to take their proposal to the sky. Vance Weird. And, yeah, that's right. Vance Businitz and Claire became acquainted through mutual friends in just four months of dating. Businitz knew Claire was special. With the help of his brother and longtime friend Taylor Weeby, Businitz started thinking of ways to propose. They spit roasted her, and that's how he knew she was the one. <laughs> that's right. Chinese finger cuffer. Um, <laughs> his brother had recently cut one of his soybean fields. The idea was to write "Marry Me?" question mark into the field and have Weeby fly them over. 
The idea turned into reality as the farmer transformed a soybean field into the biggest question of his life. With Weeby as the pilot, the couple took off from the Newton City County Airport. Buzanis was ready and a little nervous to ask the big question. I just kept looking to my side, making sure I could feel the ring so I could pull it out. Real quick, once she saw the words Buzanit said, finally... I just want to take this opportunity to tell any man who's thinking about asking a woman to marry him. And if you don't know the answer before you ask, you don't ask them to marry you. That's right. Because I've never met a woman on this planet who wasn't very, very vocal about wanting to be married, about how into you she is. I mean, like, if if you don't know to a mortal fucking certainty she's going to say yes, then she is not that into you. And you shouldn't be asking her to marry you. <laughs> that's right. Well, do you find that to be true? Uh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh like if you're if you think your old lady's on the fence about saying yes, what the fuck have you done? Why are you <laughs> buying a ring? Why are you asking this question? You're just you're wasting everybody's time. <laughs> yeah. And a fortune She's of money. fucking someone else, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, right. sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, although I will say there's nothing better. I like nothing more than watching TikTok videos of girls saying no. Oh, uh, it is it is fun. Finally, Claire looked out the window and saw the words out in the field. She turned back towards Buzanitz and saw the ring in his hands. I was shocked because he can't keep a secret, so I wasn't expecting to be surprised, Claire said. Claire's answer was a relief to Buzanitz. It was more of a relief and just overwhelming joy when she said yes. I wasn't sure if I was going to have to threaten throwing her out the window. I was just really excited about it, he said. (laughs) This story took a turn at the end. Yeah, um, he's like, I may murder you if you say no. I suppose it's a joke, but we're talking about cancer Because of here. the implication. <laughs> it's the implication. She's not going to say no if you're proposing a plane because of the implication. Because of the implication. And that'll do it for Kansas News. All righty, let's move it right along. It is time to go around the horn with the SEC. We, we, we break our bread at Waffle House. Our teams are pretty good. Play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. We built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. And Colin, would you fire up the fine bot? Will do. Alabama, Alabama, Nick Saban. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. All right, Colin, let's get right into it now. Uh, Tennessee and Alabama started things off, and this was another game that I bet on, and I was wrong. And I didn't look like I was going to be wrong at first because Tennessee came out like a house on fire. We're leading Alabama at the half 20 to 7. Vols fans were super excited, but it took a turn. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I can't believe you talk about hot dog water shitting the bed. Hot dog water. Tennessee. Wow. You're right about that. Yeah, they absolutely gave up 27 second half points, forgot how to score altogether, ended up losing badly 34 to 20 to Alabama. <laughs> I mean, it's like that Colorado Stanford game. I mean, they, there was a complete collapse by Tennessee on Tennessee's part. I saw Josh Heupel uh, was grumpy during his post-game press conference, but Alabama just don't know what to make of them. Nick Saban. They could have, I mean, Tennessee, all they had to do was coast like Missouri did against South Carolina, yet they found, they got beat, they got trounced by 14 points, two touchdowns. 
Unbelievable. Hot garbage. Yeah, it really is. It's remarkable. Uh, and worse than that, they lost me money. Uh, moving along, <laughs> Ole Miss played at Auburn. Normally, this is a pretty tough matchup, but Ole Miss won 28-21. It wasn't as close as that. Uh, Auburn got a garbage time touchdown in the final minutes. Uh, Ole Miss dominated on the road. Auburn moves to 3-4, and 0-4 oh, in conference play. Number 13 in the country, Ole Miss, is now 6-1, 3-1 in the SEC. Uh, they look like a pretty good team. I mean, I, I, I'm eager to see what happens with this Ole Miss team. They kind of, in a way, remind me of Mizzou, certainly record-wise. But they're a very good team, but also a flawed team. I just don't know how they're going to end up. But uh, they took care of business at Auburn. Yes, sir. Auburn looks awful. Yeah, they do. They're not a good team. I'll drink to that. <laughs> they actually looked as good in this game as they did in any game, and they still came up short at home. LSU took on Army at home, and the weird thing is LSU put camouflage in their end zones, I guess, as a tip of the cap to Army and how much they support the armed forces. And then they showed how much they support and love Army by whipping them 62 to dick. <laughs> So, yeah, it's LSU. Respect. It's a respectful, though. It's so respectful. <laughs> yeah. It was a butt spanking in a respectful way. Number 19, LSU moves to 6-2, and 4-0 and in conference. I uh, I think they covered the spread. So then we move on to the game we mentioned earlier, Mississippi State at Arkansas. Ten total points scored. 7-3 to three was the outcome. Arkansas never, ever found the end zone. And after their initial field goal where they started – their drive in scoring position and they ended up with three points. Never got another point. Goose egg, goose egg, goose egg the rest of the way against a very bad Mississippi State team, which now moves to four and three, one and three in conference. Arkansas is now two and six, oh, and five in SEC play. And Sam Pittman immediately fired his offensive coordinator following the game. You should be fired. Yeah. And I guarantee he didn't want to, but. You got to give them something. You know what I mean? Like it's a sacrificial lamb. Like you, you, you shit the bed as hard as uh, Arkansas has been shitting the bed. Somebody's got to lose their job. When you're hiring a coordinator, you tell them you have three jobs. You call the plays. You do your best to recruit the finest players in the land. And you fall on your sword for me when things aren't going right. That is the job of a coordinator, and it's why they make the big bucks. You got it. And then, of course, the final game of the weekend was our Missouri Tigers hosting the South Carolina Gamecocks at home, where Missouri put it to South Carolina 34-12. to What a win for Mizzou, moving to 7-1. and M-I-Z. Looking ahead to next week, South Carolina will be going to College Station to take on Texas A&M. Texas A&M is 4-3, and 2-2 two and two in conference. Not ranked like the Missouri Tigers. Not as good as Mizzou, but certainly good enough to whip up on South Carolina. South Carolina doesn't have a lot of luck against A&M. And uh, they're going into this one 14-point underdogs. And frankly, that sounds about right. Yeah, I expect Carolina just to be terrible forever. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it won't break my heart. Um, Colin, you mentioned, going back to that Arkansas ugly, ugly loss, I think when we mentioned how bad things were in Arkansas, you said, you were loving every minute of it. I feel no sympathy for our enemies. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. I want them to suffer. Their suffering usually means we're doing well. No fan base or team in this conference has ever even attempted to make us feel even moderately welcome. Yeah, so fuck them. So fuck them. All right, let's move it along. Georgia, number one in the country, will be going to... Jacksonville, Florida for the, what is it, the world's largest cocktail party to face the Gators. 
Georgia's 14 and a half point favorites going into this one. I don't see a world where Florida is competitive to Georgia, but it will be interesting to see how it unfolds because we know we're taking on the Bulldogs in the following week. Yeah, I, I hope they hurt a lot of their starters. That's that's my hope. Florida <laughs> hurts a lot of their starters. And I've told you time and again, you can't go on the air and wish for college students to be hurt, but you continue to do so week in and week out. Yep, you're not the boss of me. All right, that'll move us to the Mississippi State-Auburn game. Auburn is, for the second straight week, hosting a Mississippi school. Uh, Mississippi State coming off their heroic victory of 7-3 to over the uh, Razorbacks. Auburn 0-4 in conference play. Mississippi State 1-3 in conference play. Auburn is a 6.5-point favorite over the Bulldogs of Mississippi State. I've seen both teams play, and this is going to be a terrible football game. Auburn ought to win, I think. Yeah, it's going to be a real flat fight. <laughs> in terms of great matchups in college football history, this will not qualify. Uh, and then let's see, the 6 p.m. ESPN game will be number 21, Tennessee going to Kroger Field facing Kentucky. Tennessee's 5-2, and 2-2 two, two and two in conference, as is Kentucky. Tennessee's a four-point favorite in this one. I would love to see how this one turns out because we know what we can do against Kentucky. It'll be interesting to see what Kentucky can do with Tennessee. I really want to see Tennessee fall apart after this loss to, uh, you know, just a heartbreaking loss where you just kind of get your pants pulled down and everybody sees your tiny little cock. Um, I'm hoping it breaks them. Yeah. Same. And Mizzou has their way with them at when the time comes. Samesies. Then Vanderbilt will face Ole Miss at Ole Miss. This is a kind of a laugher. Number 12 now Ole Miss is 25 and a half point favorites over Vandy. Lowly Vandy is 2 and 6, 0 oh and 4 in conference. And so, golly gosh, I think Ole Miss will certainly win this game, but 25 and a half, that is a big ass spread for a conference game. Yeah, and I I know you watch a lot of Ole Miss football. I, what I see, I'm not a believer. I just feel like they beat up on bad teams that they're not very a very good team themselves. That may well be true, but this is a bad Vanderbilt team, and they do beat up on the bad teams. They've got a lot of good talent at the skill positions, and they get open a lot against bad teams like Vandy, for sure. So who knows? I can see why the spread is large. And with Mizzou having its bye week, that'll do it for Around the Horn. And Colin, it takes us to one of our awards segments. Let's start out with the one name for our good friend T.J. Mo. It's time for the T.J. Mo Douche of the Week. I think there's only one choice here, Brennan. I think maybe I'm thinking the same thing you are. Is it time for a two-time winner back-to-back? It is. Shane Beamer. Uh, sure, he's a douche. Sure, he's a bad coach. But I think the thing that we're all referring to may be post-game press conference, Colin. Is that what you're uh, thinking? Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's Shane- what I was thinking. Shane Beamer had a lot to answer for after South Carolina's embarrassing loss to Missouri. And what was the thing that he decided he wanted to talk about? Sure. Well, it was Mizzou's interview room and how it was not up to his standards. It's weird. I I guess I didn't even know this. I, I guess because of all the renovations at the uh, at the stadium that uh, some they had to put the uh, opponent media room somewhere different. I don't know if it's the same interview room. I don't know if it's a different interview room, but literally you've got to spend what? 20 minutes in this room. Shane Beamer. We know that you put up your team. Colin saw the team bus at the Capitol Plaza hotel in Jeff city, a County away. One of the shittiest dumpiest. It's a, it was a nice hotel in the 1980s. And then they decided to never change a light bulb or into any updates (laughs) for the next 40 years. Yeah, That's it. That's the place. 
So you put your team and all your beloved players in that hotel facility, 30 minutes south of Columbia, the, t- the town you're playing the game in, and you're mad about the tiny little room you have to do an interview in for 20 minutes? Let's hear what he had to say. Hopefully with all the expansion and facility projects they're doing here, we can maybe find a better post-game press conference room with that new development that they're doing out here. (laughs) Who cares, Shane Beamer? You stupid, stupid puss. You're always looking for excuses. You're always complaining. No one likes you. You're also two-time douche of the week. And then, Colin, that takes us to the more fun award. Now it's time for Kirk Farmer's hair, player of the game. You want to give our, obviously we have a lot of younger listeners based on the calls we're receiving. Are you want to give a little lowdown on who Kirk Farmer is and why this award is named after his hair? Well, Kirk Farmer was a former football player for the Missouri Tigers. No cap. On God. And his hair was goaded. And he did not pass the vibe check as a quarterback. But his hair was goaded. And that is why we call this award the Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game. I'm glad you did that in a way they can understand. I appreciate that. Who's your nominee, Colin? Who do you think does pass Cody the live check this week? Cody Schrader, end of, end of, end of list. Yeah, yeah. Cody Schrader, I think 159 yards rushing, over 100 of them in the first half alone. And like I said, just a hell of a story. And I think somebody, one of our callers mentioned last week, a good-looking young man as well, to boot, uh, Cody yeah, Schrader. good-looking little fella. He's a Hobbit-esque. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, is getting better and better and better. You know, what do you, he, he's gone into both of these games questionable, and yet no other running back received a snap in this game. Nate Pete, nowhere to be found. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not just Nate Pete. I mean, there are other quarterbacks on this roster, and like I said, it's hard to complain about anything going on right now. But it would be not. I mean, it would be nice to see some other guys. Maybe you inject some more excitement to the offense. Not that the offense needs it necessarily, but. I just know there's more talent on this roster. I'd love to see it get a chance, including Nate Pete. You know, like he's been a pretty good running back at times. I, I hate for him to get no snaps. I'm completely okay with Schrader getting the vast majority of them, but I think no snaps is, is overkill. Not to mention my cocks not sniff the field this year. <laughs> yeah, nobody smelled my cocks. I've been sniffing my cocks out and can't find him. All mm-hmm. right. So congratulations, Cody Schrader. You are the Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game. On God. That'll do it, Colin. We do go into the bye week. We'll try to bring you a show despite that. And there'll be a lot to talk about. Hey, Colin, I was thinking the bye week might be a perfect time. I don't know if you've seen this, but the UNLV running Rebs are 6-1 and one and bowl eligible for the first time in over a decade thanks to their new head coach, Barry Odom. We've still got his number. Do you think maybe the bye week we could give him a shout and see what's going We're on there in Las Vegas. I think it's a thing to do with bye week. Absolutely. So Barry Odom, knock on wood if he's available. He's very busy with what's going on at UNLV. Hopefully he can join us, and maybe we'll get some other calls in as well. Looking forward to an exciting bye week, all building up to one of the biggest football games in the last 10 years for our Missouri Tigers, up against the number one in the country, Georgia Bulldogs. I'm stoked. I'm all chubbed up. And we hope that you are as well. That'll do it from us. Till next week comes around, M-I-Z. I'm so damn pissed right now. I'm so fucking mad right now. This fucking makes me so damn mad. Fuck this game, man. Fuck it.